We're back. We are back. We have so much quack right now coming to Amsterdam. I'm Rusty Ryan, joined by one of my longtime friends, uh, also a former contributor to a contributor to the website formerly known as SearchingForAchillesSmith.com. Uh, welcome to Sling and Quack. Woo! What's yeah. up? Yeah. So for everybody who uh, is an avid listener, a couple of you guys hollered at me on Twitter. Love it. Um, Sean and I have had the scheduling mismatches of nightmare. Like it has been nearly impossible for us to find like any time where our schedules have o- aren't overlapping. Um, so having said that, Sean and I have a plan going forward. Worst case scenario, uh, I'll find somebody else to fill in. Cause sling and quack, the quack addicts cannot wait. Cool. The quack fiends need their quack. The show must go on. We must be on the corner, slinging crack. <laughs> slinging quack. Um, all right, so we got a game Saturday. We are we are playing a team on Saturday in football. Our wait is almost over. It is the worst off season in sports. Like there's nothing that happens, and we're back. And you know what? We're playing the mighty. Mighty UC Davis. Aggies. They're the, they're the Aggies. Why are they the Aggies? They're, no they're, one it's knows, a horse. No, yeah, no one even knows what an Aggie is. It's, it's our like name. a bull. I think an Aggie is a bull. Uh, no, an Aggie is short for an Ag school. Um, so basically they're just saying that they are really good at farming. Congrats, uh, guys. Cool. All right. That makes sense, because Texas A and M has the has the dog, and then Utah State Aggies have a bull. <laughs> there might be Marshall Lynch. She blew a bubble. <laughs> she blew a bee. <laughs> All right, so UC Davis, uh, with a record of O and O, is currently first in the Big Sky Conference. Big things, yeah. big things. All right. I know you pulled up some information on them. Yeah, like barely anything at all. I've done zero research um, other than just looking at some schedules. Uh, but apparently they play in the big big sky. Yep. They play Eastern Washington. Yep. We, we know a guy from there. Yep. That's fun. Oh, uh, my God. So when Sean and I were doing prep for last year – we the only the, literally the only information I could find on Eastern Washington University was on like a team media guide from the previous year. Out on their athletic department website, looked for like any articles in any newspapers. The only information I could find was a media guide from the previous year on the school website. So what you're saying is their sports media person is on tenure and cannot be fired. <laughs> or they don't have one. Or it's some 16-year-old. Either way. It was terrible. Also of note, um, Mike Bellotti was at UC Davis. And I just learned, because I'm on the UC Davis website right now, that their head coach, Ron Gould, former Oregon Duck, Defensive back, uh, back in 1988 graduate. Oh, perfect. I was uh, two years from being born. Yeah, so that's <laughs> fun. Apparently, uh, he gave up a touchdown against Washington as a defensive back, so he's dead to us. Oh, God. And, uh, and we can move on. No wonder no one talks about him. Exactly. Just the worst. <laughs> Such a disappointment. Um, so we're playing UC Davis. Okay, so what are your expectations for this game? My first expectation is to get a win. Like if we don't if we don't get a win, we got a lot of problems. Uh, my expectations. I mean, g- getting a win goes without saying. Um, my expectations are hopefully come out without being hurt, no major injuries, um, maybe just some tweaks. You know, if if things are unlucky. Um, 
but I, it's actually interesting because I, I don't know where this came from, but there, um, I think it was Bill C from SB Nation who uh, said that the the mark of a true ch- national championship contender is not how much you if you win the close games between closely masked competition, uh, but actually how much you stomp people that you're really supposed to beat. Um, so hopefully, yeah. So hopefully this is a, uh, you know, 50, 60 point win. Um, hopefully Brady hoax brand new defense, uh, saves comes out and, and saves us for, um, everything pitches a shutout and we win by 70 and that would be great. I would be very thrilled with that. Um, more realistically, what I'm looking for is I'm interested to see how the three new freshmen on the offensive line go. Um, I'm interested to see, obviously, the quarterback situation, uh, not just from Prukrup, but also from our newly found savior, Justin Herbert, uh, home uh, alum of the Eugene Sheldon Irish. Uh, defensively, I want to see Ugo Amade and Arian Springs just ball out because I love them. They're going to be wonderful. I know everybody was panicked about them before, but they're just going to be fantastic. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how our new look defense does in terms of scheme, in terms of new guys, new linebackers, all that. Yeah, uh, that was a great point that Bill C. brought up in his preview. Um, it actually makes a lot of sense because, like, Oregon and Michigan State last year, like, it basically came down to Vernon Adams overshooting Byron Marshall by two yards. Just, it was so sad. Yeah, and so... So, with a, with a broken thumb, I might add, which further illustrates the point that when we had Vernon Adams even moderately healthy... We were almost unstoppable last year, yeah. uh, and then other things happened, which we know we'll just not talk about. Yeah, and the only thing I'm going to say about that is that is that is why the media thinks that the sky is falling on Oregon is mostly because of certain things that happened at the end of last season, which shall not be named. Yeah, and th- th- I firmly believe that is the only reason why the hate has gone so far. And yeah. you see them in the number 21 in the top 25, which is a joke, which is an absolute joke. Washington won like six games last year and is all of a sudden like number nine. Are you kidding me? Like, I'm mad about this. It's all right, because here, here's my take on that. Um, get, get ready for a little hot take. Hot takes. Uh, a, preseason rankings, they kind of matter in terms of – it sets up how your season might work, but they really don't matter that much. Um, yeah. B, now we can all relish the fact that uh, all the Washington fans will be so excited about their newly crowned Pac-12, at least Pac-12 North champion Washington Huskies uh, with a lowercase w. Uh, and then when we beat them again on uh, October 8th, Yes. Uh, then, um, then we can just drink all their husky tears once again. Let the hate uh, flow through you. At that point, we should be what four thousand nine hundred and forty days somewhere around there. Oh my god! It just makes me so happy, and I, I can't wait. I'm really excited. Mostly, I'm just excited about this season starting because football's back, but also because. Now we can finally get back to the Oregon of 2007-8 that was a team that was criminally underrated with lots of skill players, position, talent, and uh, and we can play with a chip on our shoulder and come out and just crack heads. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, all the Fairweather fans that like don't even think that Oregon football existed before 2009 can get have gotten off the bus. I'm not, I hate I hate having them around. They're the worst. I'm not really worried about them so much because their money is green too. Um, Fair, but as so, as someone who has uh, interests in the sports industry, yes, uh, 
Yeah. Um, not yeah, directly. Mo- not not directly affiliated, but love yeah, green. Not on the team side, but on the yeah. on administrative side of, of college athletics. Yeah, their 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 money still works. Uh, <laughs> but from just a pure fan perspective, um, I I think that expectations were have gotten a little out of control in terms of I mean I've seen people be like oh national championship or bust if we don't if we don't get to the playoff it's a failed season uh, that's not entirely true um, even though yeah <laughs> even though last year the end of last year did not work out how we wanted it to um, there there was a lot of growth that happened even on the much maligned defense mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's one of those bump in the road seasons and we use it as a stepping stone and, and get back to top 10, consistently winning Pac-12 and beating Washington and beating Stanford and going to the Rose Bowl, if not the playoff. Yeah. Um, but I, well, first off, with Hellfridge, people act like we didn't go to the national championship two years ago. As if, as if somehow the, the game against Florida State was somehow just like some magical occurrence. Well, no. When you win the Rose Bowl, the season is done. That's how it works. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So nothing happened after that. Uh, <laughs> certainly not getting beaten by a team in red. Um, no. And, and we we're we're done. We we won the Rose Bowl, and and that that's was it. That was and it. that's it. Um. So I'd also like to point out, though, that like, if there isn't even, if we even have below average quarterback play in the Washington State game, that's a W, which means that Oregon plays in the Pac-12 championship game against USC, which they handled in Autzen. You're talking about last year, right? Yeah, I'm talking about last year. Okay. And it's like, if Oregon beats Washington State, they win the Pac-12 North, they play USC, who they had already beaten. Like, Pac-12 championship team, completely different tone to it. And it all came down to, like, one play at the very end of Washington State. Speaking of which, and this is a minor side note, but because we're Oregon, uh, we're obviously allowed to talk about the jerseys. Okay. The hate for the Lewis and Clark jerseys is ridiculous. I hate them. You're you're stupid. I hate them. <laughs> um, Hot takes. Hot I'm, I'm takes. not. I'm not saying they're the best jerseys we've ever rolled out. Because they're certainly not. But they were a fun one-off. The map thing is is pretty cool. You know, gray is a little played out. But I liked them. I I bought a hoodie. A hoodie. I'm not gonna lie. Well, the hoodies were cool. Yeah, the hoodies were great. Um. Anyway, that's that's just my two cents on that. All the people that were uh, oh. Well, Lewis and Clark jerseys are terrible. We've jumped the shark. Well, we're Oregon. We've always jumped the shark. We wore Volt. So I think Lewis and Clark is just trying too hard, in my opinion. Well, you know, you have you have the duck with Lewis and Clark, like that is, like it, it's such a try hard move. Like th- there was no occasion, even there was not even an occasion for it. The duck is their second wheel. The duck is their Sacagawea. He should be on a coin. Anyway, moving on. That was okay. just just brought that up about okay. Washington. Okay. Yeah. So I actually love the point about uh, that Billski brought up that the best teams handle like medium to lower ranked teams because one of the things that really stood out from like the Chip Kelly years. Is well, hey, Chip Kelly just did not give an f at all about the scoreboard. Uh, he was the West Coast Steve Spurrier. <laughs> yeah, he would like in those early games, you would win like sixty three to seven, like seventy to ten, and there was like a streak for a long time that Oregon had never, never given up a they hadn't given up a touchdown in the fourth quarter of like eight straight games in twenty thirteen. And t- the 2012 and the 2012 season, and it's just like handling teams like that is like so huge. Like doing what you're supposed to do. So, and uh, we're gonna have plenty of chance to see how we operate in those situations because we start out against UC Davis, Virginia, Nebraska, 
and uh, Pride of the Pac-12 North, Colorado. Um, it's the Pac-12 so, South. Whatever they are, I don't, I don't care. They're they're irrelevant. No, wait, wait, wait. They are in they're, the north. They're they're Pac-12. Uh, whatever they are. Utah's in the south. They're they're irrelevant. Um, so those first four games. You know, maybe Nebraska gets close because... Oh, my God, this they, is embarrassing. Colorado and Utah in the south. It's Cal, Oregon, Oregon State, Sanford, Washington, Washington State in the north. I knew that. What am I thinking? Yeah. Stupid, it, stupid, stupid. I'm, I just rest my case that they're irrelevant. Um, but it, like I was saying, you know, maybe Nebraska gets close. It's an away game. It's early season, non-conference. Weird things happen in Lincoln, uh Children of the Corn, I've seen that series of movies. Yeah, I mean, see their game against BYU last year. Um, But in terms of those first four games, really all all I'm worried about is seeing how the team performs, making it out of those first four games healthy, and uh, for that that second game against Virginia, hopefully no one gets suspended because Virginia will probably want to fight us based on how their coach has handled... uh, operating football teams in the past so we'll see yeah uh for anybody that doesn't know what that means uh their coach is bronco mendenhall whose byu teams were notorious for getting in huge fights which is proud of the dirtiest team in america which is weird because it's byu and not to stereotype but they tend to be pretty nice. On, I've on never the... met an unhappy Mormon family. Yeah, you want you want to see Bronco Mendenhall's handiwork? Just uh, search Memphis versus BYU bowl game fight, oh and God, uh, I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find something. Yeah. Uh, also crazy. It, if you haven't seen Last Chance U, episode five of Last Chance U, which is the school that Legarrette Blunt came out of. He came out of this uh, junior college. <laughs> High school with ashtrays, that uh, <laughs> that uh, that the show is about. Uh, there is a fight at the end of a playoff game. That is something I've never seen before. It was unbelievable. It wasn't even playoff. It was regular season. It oh, was like it was a, like, it was like a rival the playoffs or something. Yeah, it was one of the late season games. It was. Um, it was like something I've never seen before on a football field. So much swearing, too. It was such a heated moment. Like, that entire like last 20 minutes of the episode, I was so uncomfortable. So, yeah. So, like, when, when I'm looking at this first game, like, the, the few things I want to look at is, A, I don't want to see a unit get shredded like the defensive secondary was against Eastern Washington last year. Like, the experience gap really showed, uh, like, the fifth-year player who was, like, a four-year starter looked like a fifth-year player and was a four-year starter against, like, a true freshman defensive back. He was quite literally a man among boys. Yeah. And it was just, like, one of those things where the, the talent level is probably even at that point, but just, like, the experience level was just, like, so far apart. Um, so I just really don't want to see any unit get manhandled. Um, I'd like to see a fair amount of sacks. If we get four, if we have four sacks, I will be excited. I will be pleased with four sacks. And if we can force a couple turnovers, I'll be excited. Because my viewpoint is, my viewpoint is, is if our defense is below average. That's where my expectations are right now. Below average, Oregon's going to win nine games easily. Like, that's the floor. I would agree with that. I mean, based on the sieve that was our defense last year, um, you know, if if we are even close to average, we we probably win two more games last year, and and everyone is calling the season a success. And, uh, you know, the... Fire Elfrich is is not uh, so hot as loud. People were saying that in the national championship season. Yeah, well, pe- I mean, people are always going to say that, but um, I 
I think that hoping that a unit does not get manhandled is, is maybe setting the bar a little bit low. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, this is the team that Dakota Prukup last year at Montana State had four touchdowns against, uh, I think just in the air, like 300 yards or 400 yards passing. And like so, over 100 yards running. I remember that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the goal of not being manhandled as a unit is pretty low. I would just like to see – I would like to see the defense cause a little bit of chaos. Um, I, I'm interested to see how that shift from a two-gap line to a one-gap line goes. Um, hopefully that causes more uh, aggression, more commitment, uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then offensively, I just want to see fireworks because we're the Ducks and it's fun to score. Yeah. Yeah. I think moving to a one-gap system, I think just moving to a one-gap just in general, it could have stayed a 3-4. Like, honestly, oh my god. If, to Buck, if DeForest Buckner had been in a one-gap, like, he had ten and a half sacks last year and that was... He was getting no help whatsoever in the pass rush. He's getting constantly doubled. Um, so every, for, I think every time I think of DeForest Buckner from now on, uh, I will think of the picture of him against Washington basically splitting the Red Sea with two UWO linemen on him with a broken hand on the way to a sack. It's just an iconic look. Uh, and... Every time I think of Defoe, that's what I will think of. That and living next to him in Eugene. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and seeing him walk out of his door and realizing that we're the same species when he's like 6'8", 300 pounds, because he is just a monster in person. Oh, my God. Even in shorts and a t-shirt. This is terrifying. Yeah, I can't believe you don't remember that. It's wonderful. Oh, this is the first time I've seen the photo. Isn't it weird that, like, so, like, if you look at flies, like, flies are, like, 90% alike or something, and people are, like, 99% alike. So there's more in common between us and DeForest Buckner than there is between, like, any two given flies. Yeah, I don't buy it. Because I've seen him in person, and he's a giant human being. No, genetically, we are 99% alike. I, I... You know what? You can have your facts. I'll go with emotions every time. <laughs> you know, many people are saying... <laughs> many people are saying... Uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Take a breath. Get it out. Oh, man. Um, oh, my God. All right. Move, moving on. Okay, uh, so... so let, let's look at the schedule. Let's see... Let's if the over-under is eight, or is it like eight and a half? What, what no, is it? No, it is eight. Oh, it's just eight. I, uh, if, if the over-under is eight, let's, let's see how many wins we each think is realistic for this year. You go let's, just go, let's go with the absolute givens. Like we are 100% sure those are wins. Fair enough. Okay. UC Davis. Virginia. Win. Colorado. Cal, Oregon State. Those are one hundred percent wins. I have zero doubts about that. Let me take a look. UC Davis, I agree with. Virginia, I agree with. They're just trash. Um, CU, I agree with. Because we're hosting them, I think Colorado is going to be good this year. Yes, and and honestly, even though I'm I'm kind of trashing CU. even though their record didn't show it last year, they were much improved over the year before. So yeah. I, I think McIntyre, I don't know if McIntyre is doing a good job as a coach or whether it's just the benefit of being in a Pac-12 and getting Pac-12 recruits. Um, but their their talent level is, is getting better. Um, even so, I'm still picking them as a guaranteed win. So that's three. Oh. Davis, UVA, CU. I agree on Cal. I'll actually add Arizona State in there. We okay. host on October 29th. That'll probably be some sort of night game because it's Halloween. ASU is really depleted this year. Uh, Todd Graham wears a stupid Britney Spears microphone. 
so that's. Uh, and then I will also agree Oregon State in Corvallis. So that at that point I'm at six, and that's just on ones that I am a hundred percent on. Right. And then you're okay. looking at the rest of the schedule. We're looking at one, two, three, four, f- five other chances to get three wins and go over eight. Yeah. And so I feel I good feel about Nebraska. I feel really good about okay. I feel good about Nebraska. I feel good about Washington State. Um, so that's two more. That's eight. And, then, and I think I might have done my math wrong because I'm bad at math. But whatever. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. And then, uh, like, and then the other teams that we're playing. Uh, like I feel good about Washington State. The other teams that we're playing are Washington at home, who we've beaten twelve years in a row, and fuck Washington. Um, USC, who we beat last year. Stanford. Who admittedly they're very talented, but they're always very, very talented. So it'll be interesting to see with USC uh, if their new coach who no one knows his name because he's a nondescript human being. It's Clay uh, Sorry. I'm in the middle of a point. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if their new coach can actually keep that magic of last year after uh, Sark was let go or what happens with them this year. Um, it'll be interesting, especially with a new quarterback. Uh, they have the skill position players to be a very good team, but... You know, at this point with USC uh, and how they've been the last couple of years, I'm not really sold uh, until I actually see them in action. Yeah, I mean, I think every day should be Saturday, said at best. USC is a team where a bunch of four to five star recruits figure out a way to lose four to five games a year. Pretty much summing it up yeah. and still get drafted in the first round. Yeah. Uh, also the story of Miami football. Um, and then there's Washington, the the J. Cole of college football, the next big thing for the last eight years. I think that title could be a dual title with them and UCLA, because I swear the last three years with Brett Hundley, every Kirk Herbstreet has been, oh UCLA is going to win the national championship this year. No, it, it's going to happen this year. He he is turning UCLA the last three years into his own doomsday cult. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Lou Holtz, uh, who's who's now gotten even crazier. If you follow him on Twitter, I don't follow him on Twitter, but sports the sports uh, blogosphere does, and that stuff shows up. I'm gonna pick the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the Florida State Seminoles. Every year he picks Florida State and uh, and Notre Dame. Notre Dame three wins in one year. The next year Lou Holtz national champions. Notre Dame Fighting Irish. They got God on their side. Yeah, <laughs> they got God. Uh, um, and so the only team that I have question marks against is uh, Utah, because we didn't play them last year, so I don't know how that would have gone. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that game would have gone, um, and I don't know how we managed to get the Pac-12 to have us have a buy against a a, a conference. two buys yeah uh, two buys and against a division uh, opponent but it didn't happen uh, and that's in Salt Lake City November 19th it will be cold uh, there, it will probably be a night game uh, I cannot wait however to see Pharaoh Brown just he'll probably catch for 250 yards in that game in his return to Salt Lake City since uh, that devastating knee injury, which I still can't believe he's walking, much less actually playing football. Yeah, you know. So that'll be fun. Okay, so this is probably a good time then to switch to the death chart. Uh, first off, starting, starting, not just participating, but starting is Pharaoh Brown, whose return, as you said, is just a triumph of modern medicine. 
Unbelievable. His leg is almost cut off, and now he is about to be uh, one starting on one of the best college football offenses in the country. He is the bionic man. Does anyone know if he's human? Do we need to do like one of those tests from uh, uh, Blade Runner to see if he's actually a human? Never seen it. Okay. All right, well... All right, well, there's this test where there's, like, robots and everything moving around, but in order to tell if someone is a robot or not, you have to give them this test and ask them, like, these ridiculous questions and statements that, like, a normal person would react to. And it would be like, uh, imagine that you touch a lampshade that's made out of baby skin. And a normal, like, a human their like eyes will dilate and they'll like react to it because it's like such an extreme, but like the robots won't. Hmm. Right. So yeah, so that's the joke. Anybody who's seen the movie hopefully finds it funny. I'm hoping. Um, Cause it's a big part throughout the movie. I just did an oversimplification of it. Regardless, Farrell Brown, um, starting tight end. Do you want to talk about quarterback now? I mean, we're going to hit it eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to hit it eventually, so we might as well talk about it now. Uh, I I think everybody, at least within the last week, two weeks, kind of got the feeling that Prukup was going to be the starter. Um, Even just by reading the practice reports, it it seemed pretty clear that he was taking most of the reps with the ones. Uh, The big shock, obviously, is that our new Lord and Savior, Justin Herbert, somehow surpassed Travis Johnson to be the backup. Not only did he surpass Travis Johnson, but Travis Johnson is, uh, according to Coach Helfrich, either fourth or fifth or somewhere around there in terms of the quarterback depth chart, which I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I don't know if it's an injury thing. I don't know if it's um, not trying to put dirt on his name, but I don't know if it's an academic thing. Uh, I have no idea how someone could go from being in basically a neck-and-neck race to be the starter in the spring to being fourth on the depth chart in the fall. I I, I don't get it. I I don't understand it. Uh, But the coaches are watching practice, and I'm not. And if if Herbert is the second-best guy, then he should be able to play. Yeah, and... uh... Rob Mosley's just out there riding a bunch of bull crap, making everything sound wonderful. Come on, Rob. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, man, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I annoyed you with my practice reports that you otherwise would not be receiving. Yeah, sorry we don't allow people to actually watch practice. Uh, so maybe we'll give you something instead of nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see Rob not post a practice report for a while. And then have people like, Rob, please, please give us a practice report. So think about the kids, Rob. <laughs> um, oh, man. I, yeah. I would say the, the, other big, um, the other big surprises that I had upon first seeing this depth chart was obviously the uh, Tarodney being left off, which now we know why. Um, yeah. a, a big a big surprise that I thought Darren Mitchell would would crack the two deep at wide receiver, uh, just based on his spring game and and how electric everyone said that he looked in practice. Um, but with that being said, I think it's pretty easy to say that we have at least one of the deepest, if not the deepest, wide receiving cores in the entire country. So that's fair enough. You know, if if he plays some, great. If he red shirts and gets bigger and stronger and faster and comes out and is like a second coming of Darren Carrington, then even better next year. Yeah, that was the one thing I saw too because it was just we heard so much about Dylan Mitchell in the spring game. Or like in spring practices, Rob was always writing about him. Rob was always writing about him, and then he looked like the best receiver in the spring game. And then it comes out, and he's not even on the two deep. It's like, what is happening? Um, 
one other thing that I would like to call attention to, just looking at the depth chart right now, is the weight of our defensive line. Because forever you would hear uh, the stereotype that Oregon's lines are they're always thin, they're always just fast, but they, they don't have weight. Our two D tackles are both 305. Their backups are both 290. Uh, the only person who would even be considered light on a defensive line is Justin Hollins, who's listed as the starting D end at 235. And that's obviously uh, a pass-heavy, pass-rush defense. Yeah, and, and I think with him, based on uh, Jalen Jelks' progression last year, uh, I think it's fair to say that Jelks is going to get a ton of time at the end, uh, and, and he's a little bit bigger, 25 pounds bigger than Hollins. So he'll probably put in on running downs. Um, but he showed he has some speed, so he, he could get in there on, on a third down as well. Yeah, it's just... The, the, there, there's like one unit on here that really concerns me, um, and it's not the secondary. Although I've heard that they're struggling a little in this initial part, and that the strength's actually been like the defensive line, which is weird. Uh, but what concerns me is that uh, there's like a true freshman starting at the strong side linebacker. Yeah, um, and then there's two CC guys. Uh, AJ Hodgkins is a uh, junior college guy at middle linebacker spot, and then there's well, he, Justin he Hollins. Was, Sorry, what? Hodgkins was also the the top ranked junior college inside linebacker in the country. So uh, I'm less concerned about Hodgkins. I'm actually pretty excited to see where he can what he can do because uh, he's coming from. Uh, Riverside Community College, which is a power in the JC landscape, uh, for being the top-ranked middle linebacker in the in the country, JC. Uh, I, I'm excited about him. Troy Dye is uh, who's that other freshman linebacker that you mentioned. Um, you know who knows. Uh, apparently, he's been doing good things in practice, so hopefully that just carries over. Uh, I just kind of assumed that Jonah Moy would be starting there, who's another transfer from Riverside CC. Um, but uh, who knows, man? I mean, that's kind of the thing about before a first game is we all have no idea, and it'll come out on Saturday, and hopefully it's it's fun things and we're not criticizing everybody after the fact. Yeah, I really don't want to hear like any like oh all this is going wrong, Arr, this looks terrible. It's like don't ruin the first weekend. Don't be that person that just it's, ruins the first weekend. F- football's back. Let's let's all just have a great time. We'll, we'll sit on our couch, or we'll if you're lucky enough, you'll be at Autzen, and uh, everybody's just gonna have fun. Unlike the guy that sits behind you at Autzen. The complaints. Oh my god. Okay, so I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but for years I sat in front of this guy and it was section twenty eight. He was complaining before it was cool. Yeah, it was I, I can tell you exactly where he sits. No, you shouldn't do that. Okay, That's- it's section twenty eight though. Uh and this guy hated everything. Like, he was so unhappy at these games. I don't know God. why he went. Gosh he, darn, Mariota make, taking everything too easy. <laughs> He's just lazy and too laid back. <laughs> I'm not going to act like he didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not going to act like he, he was furious when Marcus threw an incompletion and only went 21 of 24 in a game. Like, why are you here? Why are you here? You hate every single play that you see. Like, someone would tackle a guy for a loss. You'd be like, why'd you tackle him forward? You gotta tackle him backwards. It's like, what? What are you talking about right now? He's, he's just a perfectionist. He wants to see a national championship just like anybody else. And will not enjoy any moment of college football until that is reached. 
He is the Nick Saban of fans. <laughs> Minus the winning part. Well, yeah, there's that. Um, I think... I think the defensive secondary got a lot better last year. By the end of the year, I thought they were the strength of the defense, along with Buckner and Coleman. And Mondo. And Mondo. However you pronounce it. I think it's Mondo. I think you're probably right. Who knows? It's a French-ass name. Um, but I, w- I would agree. Um, the, the, the progression that we saw from Arian and Ugo last year is something that can really only happen if you throw them in the fire and you let them make mistakes, um, but then you also teach them afterwards. And I think with the secondary, Coach Neal has had a track record that's strong enough that you just need to trust that he's going to take people who are obviously talented. Um, I think Arian was a four-star. Ugo was also a four-star. Um, Coach Neal is going to take that type of talent and if those student-athletes are willing to learn, he's going to be able to teach them how to be good on the field. Uh, so I'm really excited about not only this year, but next year uh, to see how they progress from being completely true freshmen who, like you said, got torched against Eastern Washington into hopefully what will be the strength of the defense for at least a couple years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, even if they have a rough start, like, Coach Neal is maybe the best, maybe the best position coach in the country. And thank God nobody knows about him. Like, honestly. I, th- I think he's one of those guys that just loves being at Oregon, too, like Don Pelham, who is, like, a G right now. I think he just loves being at Oregon. So, like, within a few weeks... Team's gonna be rocking. I just can't wait. It's it's gonna be exciting. Um, which which brings me to another point. Not about our depth, or not about any projections, but about a uh, a hype video that Rusty Ryan put together, which I could not sleep after I watched it last night. It is so good. I'm plugging it for him because he's too shameless to plug it himself. Uh, Go watch it immediately because it's so good. It's on my Twitter. Get at me. Uh, At Rusty underscore Ryan 11. Get at me. Um, Okay, also, I feel like we should cover this too. There are three freshmen projected to start on the offensive line. Yes, indeed. I those mean, are, it those looks they all redshirted, which makes me feel slightly better. So, so the so they haven't been, uh, so so they're not one of those guys that have been only been like smoking cigarettes for two months. Got some hair on their chest. <laughs> um, also of note, uh, are the starting offensive line is three hundred and ten pounds, three hundred and ten pounds, two hundred ninety five pounds, three hundred pounds, three hundred pounds. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm willing to say that uh, the, the Oregon offensive lines of old that were 260 across the board, that, that's gone. Uh, you know, we're not by any stretch Arkansas, uh, where they're, what, like 350 across the board pretty much. But uh, Yeah, well, that's by design. Yeah, and we, we beefed up while hopefully still keeping the ability to, to have speed um, and, and strength. And Coach Rad, I'm sure the legend that is Coach Rad, uh, has been in the gym with these guys, especially the redshirt freshmen, during their redshirt year to hopefully make them ready to play at a, a high level right out of the gate. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see Jake Hansen and uh, some snaps from the center to the quarterback that will not hit the dirt before it hits the quarterback. Um, that that Please. I'm excited about Please. that. Uh, I'm also I'm interested that Zach Morgan, who is the transfer from Dayton, uh, is not a starter. 
because I kind of assumed that he would be a starter. Um, but for all the talk about Oregon can't develop quarterbacks, uh, I think that kind of proves, or at least is some evidence, that we can certainly develop offensive linemen. Because if we have three redshirt freshmen starting, uh, that's either very good news or very bad news. And I'm hoping that it's very good news. Well, we're obviously going to say it's good news until proven otherwise. At which point, I will promptly say that this is the worst thing that's ever happened to us. And that we should pack the season in. Uh, I only say that because it did get a little testy on Sling and Quack last year after the Utah game. Did get, yeah. a little, did get a little testy, although that was uh, might have been a function of that week too. I, I thought we didn't play Utah last year. Oh, I must be thinking of a different one. Um, moving on. Moving on. All right. So, depth chart schedule. We just want to see Oregon dominate in every part Here's of the game on Saturday. Yes. Here's a question for you because this. Uh, even though this is technically a game week, it's also kind of a uh, before-the-season preview still. Right. What is our biggest game of the year in the regular season? Stanford. No. Okay. Washington. You think? I would rather be Washington than Stanford. I think that would be fun. But I think it's still Stanford. Uh, and, until proven otherwise, uh, David Shaw has convinced me that he's just going to stand on the sideline with that dumb smirk and coach up 10-win teams. Uh, you know, with, Christian with, Mc- with a binder of laminated sheets and the center has to have extra wristbands. Yep, sure. Because uh, apparently Stanford has to run 60 different plays in a game. Well, they're real smart. They have the brains to be able to do it. God, I hate Stanford. I hate Stanford. I hate what they represent more than anything else. Like I was saying, I, I think until proven otherwise, Stanford is still the biggest game on the schedule in the regular season. Uh-huh. They have uh, one of the best weapons in the league uh, in, in Christian McCaffrey. Um, and who knows? You know, I mean... Maybe their season turns into a big dumpster fire with a loss of Kevin Hogan, but I was never that big of a fan of Kevin Hogan anyway because he was either good Kevin Hogan or bad Kevin Hogan. Uh, um, I, I think they'll be fine. They, I, I think I remember that they have a very good quarterback recruit coming in and, and starting. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm more worried about them than I am about UW. Uh, but I'm kind of on board with you. I, I would like for something to be switched up, UW to be the biggest schedule, biggest game on the regular season schedule, and, uh, of course, we still win, and then win the Pac-12 North, and then win the Pac-12, and then we go into the playoff, and then we win one for Dennis Dixon. <laughs> and we win one for Dennis Dixon. <laughs> and until otherwise, uh, that is my prediction for the season because – Screw it. It's the game, week before the season starts, and I'm all happy. So awesome. Um, man, I'm so excited. I had a bunch of points, but you just kept rattling them off. That's just what I do, man. Oh, okay, yeah, so... Here's a question for you. Okay. I remembered what I was going to say. So... You go first. So, Stanford... It's really interesting because their team made up of players like, yeah, they recruit well, but there's no one exciting on their team except for this year, which is Christian McCaffrey. Um, And it's weird because Kevin Hogan, like the stats show that there was a direct correlation with how often Kevin Hogan threw and how much they got beat by. Like the more Kevin Hogan threw, the worse they got beat. But there are also times last year where uh, like Kevin Hogan was the only one keeping him in the game. And it reminds me a lot of some other teams. Like I think Miami really fell victim to this where like some players are just riding the coattails. And I really bring this up because Stanford Steve on uh, ESPN who does like their uh, chalk 
It's like him and uh, the bear uh, who do some of the best football analysis on ESPN. And Stanford Steve, who obviously went to Stanford, has been saying for a while that like he just thinks that one of these years Stanford is just going to fall off the cliff. Is today that year? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so, though. Unfortunately, I don't think so. I think they're going to have another 10-win year. It's going to be really, really boring, uh, like everything they do. I'm not ready to put them at 10 wins, uh, and, and granted, I'm not looking at their schedule. Um, I, I'd say 8, 9. The over-under was 8.5. And it seemed I, very unlikely. I picked them to go over. Yeah, they seemed very unlikely they're to be, be dropping that many. If I had to guess, I would say that they would still be a player for the Pac-12 North title, um, but they are not going to be a national contender uh, in the way that they have been in recent years. Oh, Here man. Was oh, man. oh, man. Check out these first six games that Stanford has. Oh, boy. This is something else. Hosting Kansas State. Win. Well, the spread is 16. I have Kansas State covering. You can never rule out Bill Snyder, but that's a win. Right. Because Stanford sucks at the beginning of a year. Like, last year they lost to Northwestern. Oh, that's a good point. And everybody hit the panic button at that point last year. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, but this is at home too, and they're like, "What's the whole time change thing?" Which really isn't that great of an excuse. You're just looking for reasons why Stanford sucked that day. But that excuse will be gone. But guess yeah, they who, got uh, smarted. That's- <laughs> yeah, Battle of the Nerds. Northwestern won out. Um, they have a bye week, which is weird to have your bye week week two. Uh, got to rest up. Hosting USC. That's, that's a tough second game. Right. But USC is coming off of playing, of losing to Alabama in week one and then playing Utah State. And then they play Stanford. And Utah State, for being a Mountain West team, is a hard team to play. I mean, they hit you. And that I, I guarantee you that those bodies will be sore after those two weeks. Yeah. And that's also after playing Alabama. Bioma. Like, Bama isn't like it's like uh, the body blow theory. Like whoever plays Alabama, they just do awful the next week. Same it's with same like Arkansas, because Arkansas just runs into people. They do not care about like they just want to run in and pulverize anybody they play. That's good old Brett Bioma football. Brett Bernie. Big, big dumb Will Metzger football. <laughs> In the community, in the weight room. Um, okay, so they host Kansas State by week, host USC at UCLA. Okay. Six days later, they're at Washington. Ooh. Then they host Washington State, who w- almost beat them but missed a the game-winning field goal by a few feet. They cooked it, is what you're saying. They cooked it. They cooked it. Then, at number 10, Notre Dame. That is a very difficult schedule to open the season. Yeah, so by October 15th, they will have played Kansas, had a bye, USC, UCLA, Washington, Washington State, Notre Dame. And that's October 15th. I think of those first six games. First six, seven weeks, yeah. They realistically could get, they could go three and three. I mean, it. Or they it, could go six and zero. We have no idea. That could be bad. That's just. It's one of those things. It's like we, it's like UCL. It's like USC's problem this year. Like they're such a good team, and I honestly believe that this year, that they're solid, like top to bottom. They're up to like their full scholarship allotments, but you look at their stretches. Alabama, Utah State, Stanford, Utah. That's the first four weeks, and they played Utah six days after playing Stanford. Then they have, like, Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona, Cal, whatever, like four weeks of nothing. And then 
hosting Oregon at Washington, at UCLA, hosting Notre Dame. Like, the stretches are just awful for them. Like, I don't understand. Like, if they get through, like, I did a, a podcast with some USC guys that was awesome, like, Traveler Hates Thursdays. Uh, like, and they were like, if we can get out of that first stretch at 3-1, and one, we'll be psyched. And I was like, how would you feel about 2-2 two and two in the back? Um, we'd be okay with 2-2. Two and two. And it's like, if they go 2-2 two and two that stretch, but then by the end of the year, like, if they aren't, if they have three losses by the time they hit November 5th, like, that could be a bad four weeks for them, having to play four ranked teams back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back. That's the reality, though, with with the playoff um, and, and playing a nine-game conference schedule. If, if you're not playing hard teams uh, arguably every week, uh, or at least most, the vast majority of your weeks, uh, you're not making it in the playoff. So... You know, props to them for for having a tough schedule and and playing a good non conference schedule. Uh, yeah. Here's a here's a question that I have for you. Okay. And and this may be a, a good way to uh, to wrap this podcast up. Yeah. Um, give How many me, hookers did Craig James kill? A thousand. Uh, <laughs> no, my question is, is two part. What is the one widely known star that you're most excited about for this season on the Ducks? And what is one non-starter, your sleeper pick? Give me your sleeper pick that you're most excited about. So my favorite star on the team. Yes. Royce Freeman. Well, not like your favorite, but who are you most excited to see play this year? That's going to be a starter. Yes. Do you want my answers first? Sure. Okay. The one I'm excited about most Schneider. as a as a, sti- as a starter Schneider. No, okay. it is not Schneider. Although I am thrilled that we finally have a kicker that can kick. Four years too late. <laughs> oh, oh, what we could have done, uh, Arian, because I love Arian Springs. Oh yes. I I just I, he's if you've ever watched an interview that he's done, as he is. A, a beam of sunshine on an otherwise cloudy Eugene day. So he's he's the one that I'm most excited about who's a current starter. Second one, who's my sleeper pick, who's not a starter, and this is kind of cheating because he is electric. He's currently my desktop background at work, even though I work for another school that is not Oregon, Taj Griffin. Oh, Taj Griffin. I cannot wait to see those short little legs run as fast as they possibly can. He looks like a little guy. Is it, is it the one where he's diving over the pylon? Yep. Oh, that was a great photo. Um, yeah, it's wonderful. So, I would say, yeah, here's here's what makes me really excited about Arian Springs. Um, Oregon hasn't had a really great corner since Efo. I, I was going to say, if you skipped over Efo, I was going to fly back to Portland and punch you straight in the mouth. <laughs> because Efo is a hero. Yeah, he's 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 a treasure, um, and it it makes the defense's makes the defense's job so much easier when you have a corner that you can put up against anybody and be like, all right, he's got that, he's fine, we're, we're good, he's fine, um, and Arian Springs showed last year multiple times, most notably against Cal. Um, also against... There's another game that he played. There's played definitely well Cal. USC. Yes. USC. Um, USC. Cal. He had stretches against USC where he was just unstoppable. Uh, yeah. And that, in my mind... And I could be remembering things a little bit wrong, but in my mind, that was where he really turned the corner from being a true uh, a guy that had not played very very much before uh, to being a bona fide 
I'm not going to say superstar because he still had plenty of work to go. Uh-huh. Uh, but but you saw the talent level and you saw the potential there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he played really well in the Arizona State game. Like he had the game-winning interception and triple yep. overtime. Then he locked down Cal. Like Cal was completely one-dimensional. I think they completed one pass to him to somebody he was guarding, and then he had one holding call. And Cal passes a lot. That's amazing. Um, then, like as you said, kill it against USC. And he's the one guy where it's like he could be like a superstar on the defense. That's the guy looking at him like, this guy could be a lockdown guy. Um, truth. You know what concerns me, though, is Tyree Robinson back at safety. That see, was, that see, doesn't concern me that much, um, mostly because I did see an interview with Coach Neal where he said he was going to rotate between safety and strong side corner, uh, especially down near the goal line. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say that hopefully, fingers crossed, Matrell McGraw develops as the over the season. He can hopefully play some time at safety. Hopefully Tyree Robinson can move more towards the corner side of things so we can play more nickel. Um, I'm not terribly worried about Tyree Robinson's safety. I mean, he he's good in spots. He makes dumb decisions in other spots and, and kind of freezes up. But when we played him at corner last year, he was a playmaker. And uh, so we'll see. I, I think it'll be interesting to see how Coach Neal and how Brady Hoke utilize Tyree Robinson because I think he has the athleticism and the playmaking skills to be an impact player. It's just a matter of putting him in the right position to do so. Yeah, his tackling was just atrocious last year. It was atrocious. But granted, so was everybody else's. He really stood out, though. I'm trying to be charitable here. Yeah, him throwing hip checks against guys in the open field was not the best look. Um, Okay, so starters. A starter that I am really excited for, I will not copy you. Um, I'm going to stick with... uh, I think I know who you're going to say. Pharaoh Brown? Uh... That way it was up there, but I, I thought you were going to say Darren. Darren Carrington? Yeah. He is just so goofy. He's always open. He's He just looks goofy when he plays, though. It's like he's, like, he's, like, so skinny. Not, like, lean. He's skinny. He's also the touchdown celebration champ. Oh, I love it when he cracks the whip. On a consistent basis. Yeah. He hit the whip in the Rose Bowl. Against USC, he hit them folks. <laughs> Uh, he and Vernon Adams did the dab against Cal. He's the consistent touchdown celebration champ, and no one in the country is taking that. From him. I stick by Pharaoh because I love Pharaoh. Because he's a wonder of modern medicine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, um, give me your sleeper pick. I was gonna pick Taj because he's like. He's going to be absolutely amazing this year. I'm 100% that's why I said it was, that. That's why I said it was kind of cheating, because even though he's not on the two deep, we he's, know. We know. yeah, everyone knows. Um, oh, man, what's that guy's name? Uh, the guy with the hair. Tristan Wallace? The safety? Oh, Linebacker no. safety? Fotu Leato? Yes. Yes. That's, that's another good pick. I thought you were talking about Tristan Wallace, who is a uh, true freshman, might redshirt, might play some wide receiver, and uh, I think he's got a flat top fade. It's uh, it's pretty wonderful. Uh, and that guy is a monster. He was originally committed to Ohio State, for, for all you guys who don't really follow recruiting. Originally committed to Ohio State. He's out of Texas. Uh, wears number two, just like Braylon Addison. He's he's going to be a player in the future. He's a receiver. Yep. Because all these photos I'm looking at right now, he's playing quarterback. Uh, yeah, he played quarterback in high school. 
Of course, because he's one of those super athletes. So he is the next Braylon Addison. Uh, I would say bigger, stronger. But yes. Oh man, he looks big. He's giant. He looks really big. So that's why I thought you were talking about with the hair, but but back to Fotuleatu, uh, he of the greatest. Oh my god, he's six two thirty five. What? Yeah, he's he's huge. What? He he's a tight end. But he plays wide receiver. But he's a he's one of those he's one of those in between guys that everybody's loving right now. The number four ranked athlete. What? Yeah. So, I'm I'm excited about him. Not necessarily so much this year, uh, although I think he could maybe make some plays. Uh, but in the future, he's going to be a player. Uh, Fotu Leatu will continue to be our best special teams player, uh, and hopefully he can play some safety. And you know maybe he'll be the guy instead of Matro McGraw to help ease Tyree down into more of a cornerback role. Because I'm still in love with Fotu because of his high school highlight video. Everyone is. It's it's legendary. Like, uh, I think he could be the next Scooby Wright, but with actual fundamentals and maintaining responsibilities of what he's supposed to be doing on the field. And a guy that I don't hate. Yeah. But also someone who has fundamentals and is, like, disciplined in his defensive responsibilities. So... I don't know if Fotu plays that way. I, I, I think he just goes and hits people. I, I think he's kind of like uh, the water boy. The honey badger? Pretty much. If he'd be the honey badger, like the poor man's honey badger, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. I'd be fine with that, a poor man's honey badger. All right. Um, any closing comments? Closing thoughts. Um, go Ducks. Hopefully we beat Washington again because if we do that, the season is a success. And, uh, man, I'm jealous for all of you people who are going to be able to go to Austin this year because I will not, and it makes me sad every day. Um, but enjoy it because it's just a truly wonderful place. It's like the second happiest place on earth behind Disneyland. But Disneyland's like an everyday thing. But power ranking often is the happiest place on earth for seven weeks, for seven days a year. Yeah, I'm not that high on Disneyland. I'm going with Austin. You're a monster. Okay. I bet you like the Arizona State mascot. I mean, I think it's funny. <laughs> okay. Um, like it as an artistic device, but yeah, go ahead. Closing thoughts. Okay. All right. Um, I'm... S- I'm psyched. I'm so glad football's back in my life. Like, on a, on a daily basis. Like, it never really leaves my heart. But. It's back. I'm, I'm no so fall happy. weddings. No fall weddings. Don't negotiate with terrorists. Um, that's, so, that's a good one to cut it. Let's just cut it there. Okay, yeah. alright. No fall weddings. Uh, no negotiations on it. Alright, so that'll do it for... Me and my good friend, the writer formerly known as Professor Jennings, joining me on the podcast for Sling and Quack. Uh, go Ducks!